name comes a meaning. I don't know if you know what your name means or not, but you ought to find that out if you don't. It has something to say about who you are. And my name, Joseph, means God shall add. I kind of like that. So I expect that every day that God's going to add. It's a good thing. Amen? Amen. How many brought your Bibles tonight? Now, well, two of you. Good. I'm kind of uh, sensing that I want to do something a little different. I'm not sure if we'll end up doing that tonight or not, but we'll, uh, we'll go with plan A and see if it switches to plan B. I want to talk to you from Luke chapter 2, the first 20 verses um, there. And Sunday mornings, we've got up to this point as well. And, um, well, we missed Zachariah's song at the end of chapter 1. And uh, the very end of chapter 1, verse 80, it says, And the child grew and became strong. Talking about uh, John the Baptist. And he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. And as we heard, that John the Baptist was the one that was born to point the way to Jesus, point people to Jesus. He was literally taking the mindset of Israel and changing it to think of, uh, of the, the possibility of a Messiah coming now. Uh, and it was in the Jewish culture to expect this Messiah, but now was the time. And John the Baptist was the man who was going to show up, and he was going to be the one pointing the way. And so we jump into chapter 2 and verse 1. And I want to just uh, prepare this tonight uh, and, and say uh, the title of it is A Gift Ready to be Received. I hope you've received Jesus. If you're here tonight, I hope you've received him into your heart. Uh, Christmas has lots of gifts and being exchanged, but uh, it really isn't about all of the special packages, and it isn't even about the family gatherings and all of that. Christmas really is about Jesus, the greatest gift that was ever given to humanity. And this Christmas, boy, what an awesome thing it would be to receive the greatest gift that was ever given, the greatest gift ever intended for human lives to receive is Jesus Christ, because Jesus has the potential to transform our lives. In fact, that's what he came to do. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. So if you're lost, he wants to bring you into a relationship with him because he loves you that much. Imagine that God had his son in heaven who experienced and enjoyed all of the, the wonder of heaven, whatever that means to you. And I'm sure whatever heaven means to us, it's so much more than that. But imagine that God allowed his son to come and be born in this human flesh. Uh, if you had the choice between being God and being in the human flesh, I don't know about you, I'd probably rather be in the God's shoes and experience the glory of heaven and all of that. And uh, rather than, you know, the older I get, I'm, I'm like ready to go home. And by that, I mean I'm ready to go, go, to, go to be with Jesus uh, because life is just that way. It has a, has a harshness to it. And so um, this Christmas when Jesus is so desperately still after 2,000 years knocking on hearts, and doors of people's lives wanting to come in. My prayer for you is that you'll receive the greatest gift ever given. Would you just pray with me tonight? Father, we thank you for this awesome time of the year. And we thank you for blanketing us with uh, a white covering of snow. Somehow that just um, gives us a Norman Rockwell feel about Christmas. Uh, it just puts the, uh, the cap on it for us. And we just love a little bit of snow to make Christmas special. And you did that here. Thank you for all those who were able to travel in the midst of what could have been uh, some terrible weather. And we saw lots of accidents tonight and heard of them. And so 
uh, we thank you that we made it here safely. We pray that you'd help us to be home safely as well. And uh, this Christmas, that we wouldn't get so focused on all the festivities that we miss the real point. And the real point is Jesus. Uh, Jesus, you are the reason for this season. And we want to give you all the attention and the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 1, we'll be looking at that. But I, I, you know, I wonder tonight, what are you hoping for this Christmas? Do you have something on your list that you're hoping for uh, when you're little? Uh, Jeremiah, what are you hoping for? An Xbox. Close your eyes for a minute. Did you get it, Dad? Oh, you opened your eyes. You're not getting it now. You were, you were naughty. Yep, not getting it now. Take it back to the store. He opened his eyes. We're, you know, when you're little, you have all kinds of things you hope for for Christmas. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting bah humbug the older I get. But there's not, when you get older, you just feel kind of, you get the sense of, I don't really need anything. I have what I need. Anybody else feel that way in your 40s, 50s? Anybody in your 30s feeling that way? Anybody in your 20s feeling that way? Okay, good, good. It's good to know. American Express did a survey recently, and they found that 31% of people said that receiving a fruitcake would be the absolute worst gift ever. In fact, 95% of those 31% said they would rather not get a gift at all than get a fruitcake. How many like fruitcake here tonight? Two of you. <laughs> Five of you or so. Ah, that stuff is just nasty to me. I'm, I'm right there with all those surveyed. Um, and when asked what people would do with gifts that they didn't want, and we all get those from time to time, 30% say they hide it in the closet somewhere. And probably through the course of the year go, wow, there's that thing, that ugly thing I got for Christmas. Glad that's in the closet. Or 21% said they return it. Bring it back to the store. If it's got a tag on it, they try to return it. And 19% said they, uh, you know it, they regift it. They give it to somebody else. So uh, what becomes one man's trash becomes another man's trash. And um, just passing on the bad gift that they didn't like. But I'd like to suggest tonight that all the time, uh, best gift that has ever been given is Jesus Christ. And when you receive Jesus Christ as a gift to your life, you will never, ever go wrong. He loves you so much. And, and once you open this gift, you'll never want to return it either. And you may want to re-gift it for somebody else, however, so somebody else can experience the joy of the gift that you've received. But the Apostle Paul, when gazing at this gift in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says this, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Talking about Jesus. Like, how do you really describe Jesus? Have you ever been so in love with Jesus that when you go to prayer, you, you try to articulate to him how much he means to you and how much you love him? And somehow human words always seem to fall really short of what he means. And Paul said it right. He's an indescribable gift. He's an awesome, awesome gift. And when Paul pondered the present uh, he had received, he could only say that. That's the only words that can come out of him, you know. He could have come up with a long list, but he didn't. He just simply said, it is indescribable. And some of you have received this gift, like Paul, and you can't put into words either the way uh, uh, the Lord has changed your life and what he means to you. And some of you have come close to accepting this gift. You've heard about him. You've heard it talked about. You've almost accepted this gift. You've come really, really close, but you've never opened the package, and you've never allowed the package to come inside of you, meaning Jesus Christ. And maybe you've accepted him, but you've tried to hide him in the closet, so to speak. And I'm here tonight to say, would you take the present 
out of the closet? Would you take the presence, the presence of Jesus out of the closet? You know, we got lots of people coming out of the closet these days. And I think it's time we take Jesus out of the closet. Amen? Take Jesus out of the closet. As we learned the last several weeks, there, there are many miraculous gifts that have been given to us as we read the Christmas story. Uh, Christmas always comes with a choice. And so let's see how this gift of grace was both given and received. Uh, read with me, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, the first 20 verses. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. By the way, this is not something that caught God off guard. This census that was taken, I believe God put that in the heart of the leaders so that this miraculous birth, because Jesus, where Mary and Joseph lived, was not where the Old Testament prophets said that he would be born. And so Jesus had to, had to put together this masterful plan to take him from one location in his mother's womb and bring him to a place called Bethlehem where he would be born. And, and so we have this account, and if we, we read it, we just see, oh, well, it just, just so happened that Mary was there. No, this was prophesied. I want you to understand that everything that happened in Jesus' life was prophesied long before he was ever born. And I think the beauty about that is it, it says to us as human beings is God always had a plan. And he meticulously laid out that plan. He wants us to know that this wasn't just some other ordinary baby that was born, but it was the Son of God who was coming to rescue humanity from their sin. And so it goes on in verse 2. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea in Bethlehem. It's about a four-day journey, by the way. Any, anyone that's nine months pregnant taking a journey on a donkey, not the best mode of transportation and not the way you want to go. 80 miles, about four days traveling. We travel about 20 miles a day in that time. The town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David, and when he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Galatians 4, 4 says that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, that God had a very specific time, not just that day, not just that place, but a very specific time in history that Jesus would come and he would be born. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. It's interesting that Luke would say her firstborn son. Again, Luke is wanting to remind us that this wasn't a woman who had children before. He's reiterating this issue of a virgin giving birth to a child. So he throws that firstborn in there just to remind us through the story. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Imagine being these shepherds and having this experience, that these angels appear, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. Nothing like this had ever happened before. Just they're out tending the sheep, and all of a sudden, bing, angels show up, this light fills the sky, and these, these shepherds who had probably 
fought off uh, coyotes or wolves or bears and lions, who knows what. They're now terrified at this sight as God's presence shows up on the hillside. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. And I like that. It's great joy that he's bringing that will be for, you, for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ. And I like the thought that the Savior is born for everybody. He wasn't born just for the kings, and he wasn't born just for those who were affluent, but he was born for all who would receive him. So he's been born to you, and his name is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, wow, all of a sudden, if they're not terrified enough with the angel showing up and the glory of God filling the sky, now a host of angels show up. How many would love to see an angel? Has anybody seen an angel here? There haven't people who have seen angels, but I, I, I want to see... Oh, I'm disappointed at Nate. Oh, that's dear. I want, I, want to see, I want to see into that spirit realm. I want to see an angel. I don't know about you. But the, the angels now, a whole choir of them, fill the sky, and they say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Hey, let's go check this thing out. Let's go to Bethlehem and see what's happening, which the Lord has told us. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who, were lying in the, who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word, concerning, uh, they spread the word concerning what had happened, had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The things they heard and they saw just as they were told. I don't know about you, when I read this story, it's an awesome story. It's, it just thrills your heart and uh, does some incredible things for you. In commenting on the, the, the crux of Christmas, Max Lucado says this. He captures the indescribable incarnation in his book, God Came Near, when he wrote, That particular moment was like none other. For in that segment of time, a spectacular thing occurred. God became a man. While the creatures of earth walked unaware, divinity arrived. Heaven opened herself up and placed her most precious one in a human womb. The omnipotent is one in one instant made himself breakable. He who had been a spirit now became pierceable. He who is larger than the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. God is a fetus, he says, holiness sleeping in a womb. Wow, what a great statement. Holiness sleeping in a womb. The creator of life being created. God was given eyebrows, elbows, two kidneys, and a spleen. 
God had come near. Sometimes we make Jesus so unhuman that we, we, we have a hard time believing that he really understands everything that we went through and he, that he really does relate to us. The greatest presence of all. That sums up what, uh, what Emmanuel really means. The greatest present is the presence of Jesus. And this involves three things. I want to quickly give those to you tonight. The first one is the gift of Jesus Christ himself. What is Christmas without Jesus? We were in, in a restaurant last night, and uh, the, the gentleman is from Mexico, and he was trying to tell us what Christmas means in Mexico and how they celebrate it in Mexico and, you know, different family things they do and all that. And I didn't hear Jesus in any of the celebration. You know, and if Jesus isn't there, aside from what the world thinks, you know, everybody that's, if, if you're not a believer, you like Christmas for no other reason than you get off work. Or you get a little bonus at the end of the year, whatever the case might be. We all like the holiday. But if Jesus isn't in the holiday, it might as well just be Xmas. It might as well be happy holiday. It might as well just be something generic. But Christmas is Christ coming to earth for us. And the second thing is this gift has great value. Alan Perkins put it this way, Although there is truly nothing more desirable than knowing Christ, many people just can't see it. Their eyes haven't been opened, they look into the manger, and they don't see a king. They don't see the Savior of the world, and they don't see the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. All they can see is an ordinary human being. And so they pass by the child in the manger, and instead seek after other presents that will not fulfill and satisfy the human heart. Which do you value more? The toys and trinkets of this life that will eventually crumble? I hear that bumper sticker that says, the one who dies with the most toys wins. That just irritates the heck out of me. You know, our toys are all going to stay behind. If you die with a lot of toys and don't have Jesus, you lost the game. You lost for eternity. You can have the nice cars, the fancy homes. You can have the latest hunting equipment and, and sport utility vehicle. Whatever you, whatever's big to you, have all of that. But if you don't have Jesus, honestly, can I just tell you straight up, you don't have anything. Certainly you don't have anything that's eternal, anything that's going to be valuable to you, that's going to take you into eternity. For some reason, many people refuse to accept God's gift. We gain insight into this from Mary as she contemplated baby swaddling in her arms, and she was so filled with thankfulness that she burst into praise, as we read last week in our service, or just on Sunday. And when she said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, Mary understood that her very own baby was her Savior. He was the Lord. Imagine that, holding this little baby, changing his diapers and hearing him cry and throwing up and burping and all that stuff. And at the same time, Mary understanding that this little child was her Savior. He was the one who came to set her free from her sin. Bruce Emmert suggests three types of people who close themselves off from the Christ of Christmas. There's those who are proud Imagine, if you will, the proud who have their arms folded, cross their chest, and their hearts are closed to anything that God wants to give them. And this is the proud posture, just like you're doing, Brenda. Not that you're proud, but just like that. 
And then another group he suggests is the powerful, those who consider themselves too self-sufficient to need a Savior. I don't need a God. I'm okay all by myself. And the last group, he says, are those who are pacified, the proud, the powerful, and the pacified. The pacified are those too comfortable to need him. I don't need a Savior. I'm okay the way I am. I've got what I need. Life's going fine for me. Thank you very much. And if you feel like you have everything you need, then God's love will mean very little to you. I wonder tonight if any of these categories describe you. The only way to receive this Christ child and this Christmas gift is with open hands and a heart that says, I need you, Jesus. We can't earn the gift we can't buy this gift. It doesn't matter how much money we have. We simply have to receive it. And that's the last point tonight. This gift must be received. Friend, you can only receive God's love when you reach out to him with arms and hands that are wide open. While this seems easy to understand, there are, there are too many people who get sidetracked because they're trying to earn their way or trying to earn somehow the favor with God. If I just do good things and somehow I'll get into heaven, there's going to be a lot of good people that will end up spending eternity in hell. It's a sad thing. John 1.12 sums up the ultimate Christmas choice. He says this in John 1.12, Yet to all who received him... To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who received him, to all of those who believed in his name, God gave them the right to be called children of God. It's pretty simple, isn't it? What do I got to do to have this Jesus in my life? Well, I've got to receive him and I've got to believe. That his name is all that he says it is. That he is the Savior of the world. That word receive means to welcome like a visitor into your home. Come on in. It would be terrible to have a visitor come in your home and say, Hey, come on in. There's some stairs there if you want to sit on the stairs. I want to go up in the kitchen and get something to eat. We don't do that. We invite him in. Hey, come on up. Let me get you something to drink. Are you hungry? Let me get you something to eat. Jesus wants to have that kind of relationship with us. He wants to come in with us and he wants to fellowship with us. Michael Card masterfully captured this verse in a song called The Final Word. I heard this for the first time the other day. He says in one of the verses, He spoke the incarnation, and then so was born the Son. His final word was Jesus. He needed no other one spoke flesh and blood so he could bleed and make a way divine, and so was born the baby who would die to make it mine. Who would die to make that mine. Jesus' goal wasn't to come as a baby, as miraculous as that was. He was his goal was to eventually get to a cross and spread his arms and die on a cruel cross and take the punishment of your sin and my sin upon himself. The only one who could do that would be a perfect human being. And Jesus lived a sinless life so that he could take that penalty for you and I. 
I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody that would die for my wickedness. Scripture says maybe if someone was good, somebody might step in on your behalf, but to be wicked and full of sin and brokenness and have someone step in and die for you who you don't really care about is pretty amazing to me. And that's what Jesus did for you. So this Christmas, let's not miss the name, the final word. Let's not miss Jesus. Would you just bow your heads with me this evening? Father, we thank you again for this Christmas story. What an awesome story. What an awesome reality. I pray that in this room, God, that your Holy Spirit would draw any and all who have not called upon you and said, God, I need someone to forgive me of my sin. I need someone to save me from my sin. All I know to do is sin. Father, I pray that this Christmas they would have a confrontation with the Christ child, the one who is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and at this very moment is even calling out to those that may be in this room that don't know you as Lord and Savior. Father, make Christmas special. May someone in this room, may many in this room tonight receive the gift of Christ. And for those of us who have already asked you to be our Lord and Savior, Father, we want to open up our hearts afresh and anew and find room for you in a, in a new and a fresh way. Not just a, a stinky stable, but the very throne of our heart. Help us to put you there and you can be Lord of all in our lives, we pray. Just let this Christmas be a blessed Christmas for each of us as we remember the final word, Jesus. Amen. Amen. At this time, we're going to um, candles.